early with just some self-inflicted things, couple, you know, drop pass, a uh, couple pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball, errant um, um, snap on third down, um, you know, that pl- we had plenty of opportunities. We didn't play well enough in the first half, didn't coach well enough in the first half, but we had opportunities to, to uh, um make plays and we didn't get that done uh proud of the way that our guys came out in the second half you know i told them at halftime or god just told them in the locker room you know the leadership that we saw at halftime that's what we need because right now we've we're facing a lot of adversity to say the least um all right that was shane beamer from a closet underneath the stadium (laughs) in columbia uh, missouri after a 34 to 12 uh, missouri win over South Carolina on Saturday. We're going to try to break down what went wrong, where things stand at this point in the 2023 season. Um, Yeah, if we sound, I guess, like a little bit at a loss for words throughout this one, it's kind of, I think most of the story is already written and we just saw the worst version of several of those, especially in the first half uh, this past week. And the injuries continue to pile up, um, which is not doing you any favors. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get into all that and try to try to analyze all that. Uh, Alan made the trip, so I was going to start with you. What, what were your overall takeaways, I guess, from this one? This is just a broken football team right now. I think it's where I would start. You can say broken physically um, with the injuries, which we're going to get into in a little bit. I know broken mentally i think you just saw a very beaten down dejected team on that sideline we talked about what would the vital language be after florida i don't know if it started the game bad but it definitely got bad quickly um and a broken team identity wise i think kind of my main thing i was thinking about kind of heading out of there was like what has this team done well two weeks in a row like as well as even rattlers played has the offense played well two games in a row has the defense played well two in a row is there a thing you can point at that from a week to week they've actually stacked good performances on? And I don't think I have anything that I would confidently say like weeks in a row has gone well. And that's kind of where things stand now, seven games into 2023. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, I think defensively, something that's been consistent, consistently inconsistent, <laughs> uh, is that it's obvious that the game plan is usually to take away what the opposing offense wants to do or what they've done best up to that point in the season. And it usually kind of works, but then it opens a gaping hole that then the uh, opposing offense walks directly through. So uh, if we want to start there with the, with the defense, um, you actually started pretty well. You got a three and out from Missouri forced a punt, uh, turned around and had an 11 play drive on offense. They ended in a field goal, but then you missed that field goal. And then from there, the wheels completely fell off. So uh, three straight touchdown drives for Missouri and a field goal um, take them up 24 to three at halftime. Um, and like you said, there was some fight in the second half. Uh, Beamer, you know, mentioned some leaders stepping up and all that is good and all that is uh, important. But when you look at what Cody Schrader and uh, Cook the quarterback were able to do on the ground. Um, that is 35 attempts. They combined for over 200 yards together. Um, so even though you held Luther Burden to just four receptions and one, you know, pretty big one for a touchdown, uh, you held Theo Weiss to just two receptions. Um, and you really did kind of shut down, I guess, the Missouri offense that we've seen through the first seven weeks of the season. Um, 
they did plenty. They did exactly what they needed to do, uh, and you had no answer. I mean, I was going to say, go ahead. I think uh, to your point, Alan, the the tone of the game kind of was set after uh, our first missed uh, field goal by Mitch, but we're broken and battered. There's nothing we can really do. I mean, Shane was going through a laundry list. You saw him looking over and just like listing off all the things that he noted, but we don't have, we don't have a consistent playbook anymore. Um, and at this point, I mean, we, we are seeing different guys every single week starting in different places and what what's going to happen next week. We'll see the next five players. Like, Yeah. And I do think, it shouldn't be understated that the injuries are at significant positions at positions you were already pretty thin out. We talked all off season about how concerned we were about at the offensive line and everything that could have gone wrong so far there has gone wrong. Um, I know that Rattler tried to like be like, Oh, some of these sacks are on me. I mean, sure. Whatever you, this is the third, fourth game you've given up five or more sacks. Yep. Um, I, I don't even know what the total is, but I have to imagine they're, yeah, they're ranking near the bottom of the country and sacks given up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess to Rattler's credit again, he was reasonably efficient. Uh, he made some things happen uh, even when there was nothing there, uh, but you couldn't punch it in. Uh, we, we, we definitely need to talk about to Mitch Jeter's credit. He missed that first field goal, made four straight after that. He was the entire uh, <laughs> far as points go um but from a mindset standpoint there were several of those fourth downs that i'm like why why do you kick here um or whatever it seemed like you needed people to uh step up once the game got a little bit out of control um and while i do think you can applaud like effort and resiliency and all of that when those game-breaking plays need to be made. There was no one there, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's kind of where you – I don't even know what to do with it. I mean, that was the – other than the injuries starting out, that was the first question for Shane Beamer about the field goals. Um, the one that gets me, I think it probably the one that gets everybody, is the last one, the down 27-9, to nine, fourth and goal at the three, 13 minutes and change to go. You need a touchdown there. I get it. Shane said they wanted to just kind of stay in striking distance, keep it a two possession game. You need a touchdown there. I don't, I, it, I think to me that even more than that, the fact that you can't, or you don't feel like you can trust your offense to pick up three yards there, partly because they'd only picked up two yards of three plays before. Does that not kind of say at all that you kind of felt like your offense was your strength and you don't think they can grab three yards there in a spot where you need a touchdown? The energy was definitely there. You could like tell when we saw the special teams come on that everybody was kind of surprised. But that's a great yeah. point in the fact that the trust needs to be there as a head it's, coach. It's not. But that also, and that's a good point to use the word trust, on I guess it would have been Wednesday, Dowell Loggins is in there talking about the sequence at the end of the Florida game, right, where you're up three and they're trying to throw the ball, trying to score again instead of maybe running it out, which we talked about last Sunday. And Dowell said – we trust seven. Seven's our best player. Okay, well, you didn't trust seven there on the goal line. when. I, and again, I understand, like, even if you score a touchdown there, you're down 11. Before. You're probably not winning the game anyway at that point. But the fact that the trust wasn't there, I think, is maybe a bigger concern than whatever else happened. And and it's hard to blame the trust not being there. Let's, right. let's look at this, the statistics real quick. 
on third down, third and fourth down, let's combine them. You went three of 14 on yeah. Saturday. I mean, it little bit of like, I guess, inside uh, info. Like if you ever follow GamecockScoop.com right after a game, you'll see that uh, two different articles get posted very, very quickly. And that's because Alan and I both pre-write throughout a game whenever things are happening. During the live thread, I usually can't pre-write a comment, but it got to the point that every time it was on third down, I just pre-wrote, hey, there's a sack. And yeah. I was right 90% of the time. Um, a sack or a pressure, or even some of the times there were, that the ball advanced, it was a sack, and then like a face mask on the sack gave you a first. Yeah, it was that one in the second crazy. quarter. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It, it got and not that that is saying anything about like my prognosis ability or anything. It just t- tells you how mismatched uh, Missouri's defensive front was against this offensive line, even before the injuries started to stack up. And then once they started to stack up, it was that much worse. Um. We haven't even fully talked about every injury, I guess. Um, can you give us a quick rundown on where we're looking at, Alan? Uh, it won't be quick, but I can give you a rundown. <laughs> um, I think you got to start with Xavier Leggett, who gets hurt on a freak play on a kick return down 21 nothing in the second quarter. He did not return. Um, Beamer said he had some tests on yesterday when we talked to him on the teleconference um, yesterday, so we'll know more of that Tuesday, but that obviously is a game changer. American Brown gets banged up. Uh, trying to make a catch on the goal line in the fourth quarter. He did not return. He's been battling injuries all year anyway. That's just another concern there. Tree Babalade limps off the field in the fourth quarter with ice on his left knee. Um, that was late, but he did not return to the game. Uh, you're just going to have to see there. Um, again, Beamer said questionable there. Trovon Ball, who actually did finish the game, so I'm not really sure where he got hurt. Shane Beamer said he got hurt at some point during the game and is questionable for Saturday. I don't know if that's one of those things where, like, he might have played through with adrenaline, and then once the, the game wore off, he might have felt something. But he did finish the game. He wants some hope there for Baugh. Um I guess on the positive, Casey Henry has been upgraded to questionable for next week. We, he, we know we practiced last week for the first time. He hasn't played since week one. Um, I desperately need that guy right desperately now. Desperately <laughs> need him. So that's, that's an upgrade to questionable. Um... And Vershawn Lee still questionable for next week. Uh, I think that covers it just in terms of like the new injuries. Am I missing yeah. anything off the top of my yeah. head? Yeah, and we still don't know anything on Juice Wells. Right. It wouldn't surprise me at this point if he doesn't come so, back. Yeah. Or honestly, at this point, it's almost like why would he, especially if he ends up taking a red shirt and trying to come back and play, you know, through for another year to improve his draft stock and stuff. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll, I'm sure he'll get asked. Uh, Beamer will get asked about that at some point this week. It's a very interesting um, Beamer presser tomorrow, just getting the injury updates. Yeah. Um, I did want to, I guess, if I want to give a little bit of a positive, uh, I thought that the defensive backfield, uh, the DBs had a, a bounce back game this week compared to a really rough game last week. Probably the worst uh, game for several of those guys throughout their short careers because it is a pretty young defensive backfield um the only real down the field play you gave up was uh to luther burden on that long touchdown pass but you had two guys draped on him i believe it was dq smith and Jalen kilgore yep. um and it was just a, a really good catch i mean you were in position uh whatever but i i thought that they bounced back but you never got any pressure really on brady cook uh on your defensive front you gave up you know consistent third and shorts, fourth and shorts. You can get off the field. 
uh, which is something that we've seen before. I mean, you went through a stretch in the third quarter, obviously, where you, where you uh, completely shut them down. And overall, I guess you could say that they played well better in the second half, but you can't go on the road in the SEC and not show up on defense until 30 minutes have already passed. I think I almost am to the point where the self-inflicted stuff, and that's kind of what Shane started with there, that's almost more to me than anything else. Um Look, we know the defense has deficiencies. We know there's you're waiting for recruits to get there. There might not be the talent you want right now. None of that accounts for lining up with the wrong number of guys in the backfield and getting a penalty on special teams. You know what I mean? None of that lines are accounts for being in the wrong place um, defensively. If you have a bust, like I don't. The mental mistakes more than anything, whether that's defensive penalties, whether that's special teams penalties, it's just. That's I don't even know if concerning is the word I'd use because you're kind of eight, you're eight weeks in and it might just be what it is. But that's kind of the stuff you can control, maybe is the way I would say it, compared to talent or your opponent making a great play or things like that. Like even the stuff you can control still isn't where it needs to be right now. I mean, Shane made it a point where he was trying to put a lot of the blame on himself, saying I'm the head coach, like that was my responsibility, but also like. Again, the mental state of the team at this point, I mean, we have the talent that we have on the field. And honestly, I just personally think, in my eyes, you shouldn't be making it those types of mistakes. No, I'm with you. Especially just at this point in the season, those little mistakes that we can't afford considering we can't even you're making negative yardage on the second half or by the second half, like those types of things like would benefit us if we avoided those mistakes. But I yeah, I mean, you have all of the excuses built in of the youth, um, the injuries, all those sorts of things. And I'm not saying they're not legitimate excuses, but there's just some like messiness. Yes. Happening. That's a better way to put it. Um, even with all of those mistakes, like you, it, it is on the coaches to have, the second, third string uh, guys ready to go. Um, and they've been at, called upon several times throughout the season. And that's, that is too bad. And I think there is, you know, a narrative to be spun cool. that uh, the team would be better if you didn't have all those injuries, obviously. But still, um, I think when you're two and five, <laughs> um, some of the, uh, negative narrative is going to start to call for ch dramatic changes. Um, I don't know that we're quite to the point that we're going to see any major assistant get uh, canned or anything right now, but you got five games left. You need to win four of them or it won't surprise me, I guess. I think that's kind of the way you look at it too. And it's just setting up positionally. You know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a play where Pup Howards kind of takes the wrong angle and he gets caught in quicksand and Brady Cook jukes him to the sideline, stuff like that. It's a freshman again, but Tyshawn Russell with a drop. It's a drop that's going to happen in football, but I'm thinking of the one on the goal line there. I think it was like the second down play after Mizzou had the drop punt where it would have set up first and goal. And he drops it and then Rattler gets sacked on third down. You're kicking another field goal. Um, it's just sloppy football all the way around. Seniors, freshmen, transfers, walk like – I, I can't point to anything right now and say that's kind of going the way it's supposed to go. It's just sloppy all the way across the board. It's just a mess on the field. Yeah. And you, I mean, you mentioned that Tyshawn Russell drop. It, it does. 
I think the margin of error on offense is just so yes. low right now. You basically have two plays. If you end up in a third and long, the drive is over, is the way that that, that played out, at least on uh, Saturday. So from a play calling aspect, I guess you're a little bit hamstrung there. And, and to South Carolina's credit, they did piece together several drives where they didn't force themselves into the third and long, and then they just couldn't finish uh, in the red zone. But Or they couldn't finish with a touchdown in the red zone. They got plenty of field goals, but... Yeah, um, I think that this is one. It, it reminded me a little bit of Florida last year, where it's mm-hmm. just like you got off to the slow start. I, I think they battled back a little bit better than they did against Florida last year. But you got off to the slow start. Feels like the entire like air is sucked out of the program uh, at the moment. And uh, I don't know. I feel like we said this last week, but it's put up or shut up time. To be fair, I think we're a sec- or we're not really a second half team at all. So the fact that we kind of I don't know, collected what we could by the fourth quarter. And we were finally seeing some progress in yards and just like, you know, cleaner football in the last quarter, I would say. It was slightly hope, like, you know, that was a surprise it, to me. It seemed like they made some of the halftime adjustments that worked. Maybe that's one of the positives that we can uh. take away from this. But I, because, yeah, you, you only lost 10 to 9 in the second half. Compared to twenty, yeah. Also, though, I'm not trying to like just dump on anything that that went well, but like I think it got to a point pretty clearly where Missouri knew, okay, they can't score on a long field as long as we don't make a mistake. Like punting's fine, just don't turn the ball over. They can't score. Yeah, like I think they kind of powered down a little bit in the second half. But I mean, yeah, you play a little better second half. We actually had something we didn't talk about yet, but. Shane Beamer and Deba Williams, Nick Gargiulo kind of all talked about that was a really angry locker room at halftime frustration guys mad. I think enough is enough is the word Debo or the word Debo Williams used. Um, And that's fine. I take that. I mean, I guess that's good that you have that leadership, but if enough is enough, then enough is enough at zero zero when the ball gets kicked off next week. Not when you're down 24 to three, you know what I mean? You can't be putting halfway through like that. Right. You yeah, you just are not talented enough to uh, to play half of a game and expect to win. Um, I was tra- another thing that you just brought up was I guess Missouri protecting the football. That is something that we've seen I guess a return to the mean on so far this year defensively for South Carolina is they're just not creating any turnovers. Um, so we've seen them play pretty well, get some teams into third and long, fourth and long, and then not be able to get off the field. And then we also are just not seeing those uh, game-breaking turnover that we saw the last uh, couple of years. And I think that's combining to, you know, I, I was just looking at the defensive rank. It's uh, 114th out of 133 teams in points per game. That is not uh, its not what you want. <laughs> you can't win that way. No, you can't. Um, and I think now you kind of got to look at it like, okay, it's five games left. I think if if you're the if you're the glass half full South Carolina fan, which I kind of realize is an oxymoron, but um, you're looking at it like, all right, if you find a way to win next week, Jack State Vandy after that, you can claw to five and five and like piece together some momentum, and maybe you could still slip into a bowl game. I sure as hell wouldn't pick that. Like, I'm not gonna pick South Carolina to win next week, but I guess that's your optimistic take that you do have those two games after A and M. If you can just find a way to win next week. By any means just necessary, I think I agree. Just getting through A and M, and I mean Jackson State is 
one of the few opportunities I think that we're going to have. Where we're Noon kick, have- by the way. I'm sure it'll be a packed out Willie B. Um, yes, <laughs> that's the one thing. But like, what if like, I know I joked about this of oh, putting all freshmen in last week, but like, this is a clean slate game, I would say. Like Jacksonville, or yeah, Jacksonville State will, uh, I mean, will be a, a good opportunity for us to work out those kinks and maybe literally start from square one again. Like, I mean, you already are at the point where you're playing a ton of freshmen. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I, I think that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, yeah. if you win next week, you can still piece together a bowl path, I think, like without stretching too far. Oh, are we saying that though? I'm not saying they're going to win next week. If you lose next week and you come home at two and six, four home games in the year, four in a row, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, and I'm saying that's probably not realistic. Hey, I mean that was um, last season. I is mean, that the point where you maybe actually start to power down on this? Not again. I'm not saying give every single snap to every single freshman, but like, is that the point where you just have to actually start putting in guys who are going to be here next year, powering down a little bit, seeing what you have for next year? trying different combinations of players, different schemes you might want to use. Like, are we at the jump? Okay. I guess I'll say, are we at the jump off point now, or are you giving this one more week to see if you can get a road win coming home? Keep evaluating the jump off point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also, you, you're having to move the goalpost at this point for what your goals for the season are. Oh yeah. That's That's all that's left. Exactly. Um, So yes, I do think you probably, roll your best guys out there regardless of thinking about next season uh, this coming week, especially yes. it's just not, even if you wanted to do that, that's not the best environment to uh, no. throw That's what in. I'm saying though. Like it, you get through this week and then if you lose or we have, is that the jump off point at two and six? I mean, I tend to think so. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not completely. You're not going to like sit rather or anything. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. Like yeah. within reason, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think we're already seeing that shift. Um, another positive, I guess we haven't mentioned, Nick Harbor yep. had the, his best game as a Gamecock. Uh, two catches, but there were two uh, pretty explosive catches. Um, he's, I mean, if ho- hopefully you can get Leggett back, but if he's not, and without Leggett or Brown, he's your best chance for an explosive play down the field. I mean, especially even Amarian Brown, if he doesn't come back, he's very quick. Obviously, he's a different body type than Nick Harbor. Um, I think Nick Harper could wear him as a backpack, but, um, the, (laughs) the, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's good to see him kind of step forward. I think people have been wanting to see him on the field. I mean, there's, there's some potential there and the broadcast brought it up. And I think it's important for, for Gamecock fans to remember this is his first season ever playing wide receiver. He was a tight end and defensive end in high school. So he's had to learn, uh, all of those intricacies. Um, and it seems like, He's getting better every week. That's kind of what you hope for at this point. Um, and obviously him starting to uh, contribute, probably, you, th- you like to think mindset-wise that that keeps him a little happier and stuff too as you're starting to think about um, heading into next year. Because I guess we've, we've brought this up a couple times, but the elephant in the room is what is going to happen this offseason if you don't make a bowl. Let's say you finish four and eight or five and seven. Um, we saw a struggle in the transfer portal last season to hold on to some of your top contributors. You know, how's, how's that going to go? <laughs> I hope it's not, but like, that's the real, I, I think everybody's on the same page with that. If uh, the season comes to an end, like we are 
I mean, hoping it won't, but if it does, it, it's going to be worse than last season, in my personal opinion. I mean, but who else? Are, who are we giving away at this point? Like, I I think kind of I think the other angle on this too that maybe hasn't been talked about a lot. Your transfer portal acquisitions didn't do what I think you thought they were going to do. Mario Anderson's been better. You've gotten some stuff out of Trey Knox, but I think mm-hmm. like. I think we would all say that Josh Simon's been quieter than we expected. Eddie Lewis has barely played. Um, Nick Gargiulo has brought some experience, some leadership to that line, but I wouldn't say he's played well. Um, you tried him in two different positions now, and it still hasn't really I mean, worked. He is playing like a veteran starter yeah. that played for an Ivy League team. And right, that's what I mean, though. Like, like, I think he's playing as well as he can. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, Sydney Fugar, same thing. Just Western Illinois is your answer there. Jaron Willis, I don't think has played a snap yet this year. Um, you did not supplement the roster maybe the way you thought you did in the portal, and to me, that's almost as much of a story as what you lost in the portal coming out of last year. Well, not Actually. to mention the the knife being twisted by Lloyd having a good season, yeah. uh, Jaheim Bell having a good season. Sure, um, I don't know that Birch is had his best season in Oregon or whatever, but you're definitely missing him uh, as far as your roster is constructed. So, yeah, um, I don't want to project anyone's going to leave. I don't want to project that uh, from a recruiting standpoint, the staff can't have a better offseason in the portal than they did last offseason because two years ago we saw so many contributors contributors get added to this roster. but uh, I do think the wheels very quickly come off if you miss a bowl and then see a huge exodus in the in the portal. Um, that's and that's gonna be hard to bounce back from, regardless of how good the last two recruiting classes have been. Yeah, I think that's kind of you kind of have to obviously take a wait and see approach on that. The the portal's not open right now. You just don't know what it's gonna look like till the season's over. But I think you and I maybe this is where we kind of finish this. But you you texted me at some point after one of the Missouri scores and the game's getting away that like the rest of this year just has to be keeping the ship together. Um, I think we're going to find out a lot about Shane Beamer over these last five games. Can you keep a room together? Can you keep belief in the program, belief in your vision? Um, Cause this is the first time this has kind of been off script for Beamer. Like year one, there were no expectations. You still exceeded it year two. You definitely did. Even last year at its worst point was never this at all. Like even the worst, the low point of last year was the Florida game and you were six and four. Um, this is kind of the first test for Shane Beamer of keeping things together the way you put it. And I think that's just something you're going to have to wait and see on, but it's a very crucial point in his tenure, which feels weird to say at two and five, but I think it is. No, I, I agree. And it it's made more so by the fragility of the roster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and cause you kind of see, the Muschamp era contributors have mostly all moved on and out. Um, you're bringing in your own guys. I think you're seeing some flashes of the talent uh, that you brought in, but it's so thin. And you're really depending on the 2023 and 2024 classes to build what this roster is going to look like for the next five years. If those guys start dropping off, if those guys that are already here stop believing in the narrative that you're trying to sell, it gets ugly really, really fast. And I don't know that it's correctable. Um, it, it, it would be, it'd be quite a sales job, I guess, uh, to be correctable at that point. So we'll have yeah. to see. 
That's I don't kinda, think, I, I think where you leave things though, coming out of Mizzou is that big picture point. Yeah, and to be fair, we none of us I don't think are projecting that. We're just no. uh acknowledging the teetering yeah. edge <laughs> that things <laughs> kind of feel like they're sitting on right now. I'm acknowledging that Shane Beamer has more work to do right now than any point since he got here, except maybe that first like month when he had to get a recruiting class together before signing day. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, if we want to talk other freshmen, uh, other positives, J- Jalen Kilgore had another really good yeah. game. Um, I mean, Luther Burden did catch that one touchdown on him and DQ, like I said. But again, he was in position. That's going to happen sometimes. Uh, Luther Burden's a future NFL wide receiver. So, um, But I also saw him uh, have a couple of big-time pa- pass breakups on Burden uh, throughout the, the game as well. So. Um, I've seen that. I did like seeing that. He was definitely uh, breaking up passes, which is one of our only ways of actually uh, stopping. Yeah, I think Kilgore's a player. <laughs> I just, I, I think he, it's it's feels weird to say because you said it about even Oregon Smith last year, and that hasn't translated. But I think he got one with Kilgore again. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not like out on even Oregon. No, I'm not either. Smith but... Either, um, but. Yeah, I think a little bit of a sophomore slump uh, for both of those guys at different points throughout the season. Maybe even more so for Deku Smith, who I've seen get get beat. Yeah, uh, Kilgore playing times. some nickel Saturday too, which I thought looked looked better than either Eamon Worry or Smith in that spot. That's oh, okay, so Pauline texted me that I didn't realize that he had played some nickel because I have <laughs> him in I have him in the PFF ratings as playing uh, strong safety, and that's where I thought I saw him most. But yeah, so switching around a little there too. I mean, they played all three guys there some, but I think it was Kilgore the most. I think it doesn't help that because in sophomore slump, you said, but you, you can't even get in a rhythm when you're changing, changing up position. Yeah, exactly. So I mean. That's probably disheartening for them too. They're just probably frustrated. I mean, Nick was saying how he didn't feel comfortable playing last week at safety or uh, Nickelback, and was rather trying to play at safety if I wasn't mistaken. But um, that confidence in your own like position and like you know having that on the field, it will come out during the plays. And I mean, we saw that with Jalen right now. So yep. clearly, was very confident at nickel. So I mean. That's all we can hope for is that. All right, we'll we'll uh, start to preview Texas A&M uh, as we get a little bit later in the week. Um, also on Thursday, you can look at a little bit of a women's basketball and men's basketball preview heading your way whenever we uh, hop on the podcast for that. Um, one quick note, I guess, on that front, uh, the women's team played an exhibition yesterday and blew out Rutgers 100 to 55. I believe, I believe at halftime it was like, 55 to 12 or something crazy like <laughs> I, I wasn't there but i know all 11 players played all 11 players scored um this team is going to take a slight step back from last year and still probably be top five most of the year is kind of your just your initial women's take i think it's hard to take a whole lot from that game but i do think if you're looking for uh positives most of full wiley yes had or M- malaysia, malaysia. Hawaii had a couple of big uh, shots from the outside, and that is kind of an element of your roster that you were missing last year um, that you hope she can step into that role. And men's basketball to Wednesday Wednesday, uh, has their like midnight madness scrimmage and um, which thankfully is not actually at midnight like other teams do. I don't know how we as a college basketball society decided to kick off seasons with midnight exhibitions. Like when that became a thing, but I'm glad South Carolina just does it at a normal hour. 
And we'll have uh, three baseball scrimmages this week that uh, Mark Kingston is speaking after tomorrow. Tomorrow, yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll have some baseball and basketball notes throughout the the week on the site as well for those of you that are out on out on football. <laughs> Um, and those of you that are still with us, obviously, we'll still have a uh, lot of preview on Texas A&M. In the meantime, go check us out on GamecockScoop.com, and we'll be back here on Thursday to talk that game. We'll see you.